Chapter Fifty Eight of the Wyvern Mystery. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. The Wyvern Mystery by Joseph Sheridan Lafano. Chapter Fifty Eight. The Enchanted Garden. Marjorie Trevelyan was what is accounted among her class a good scholar and she had taught the little boy to read and write to say his tables and to cipher as she termed the initiatory arithmetical exercises it was plain however that the boy was not abandoned to chance but that an eye was upon him and some friendly if not conscientious direction controlling his destiny in one of his visits tom orange handed her a letter written in the same neat clerk's hand in which the short memorandum that accompanied each remittance was penned having read the letter she was thoughtful when tom had gone away she said you are to be taught like a gentleman as you are my darling and you're not to be sent to school for three or four years and in the meantime mr wharton he's a kind good gentleman is to teach you for two hours every evening after the school is over you know his house it is about a mile away from this just halfway on the road to the grammar school but i'm to live at home granny all the same inquired the boy in great trepidation lord love it to be sure he is beaming on him with great affection only two hours and every one likes mr wharton and i'm desired to go to his house to take his orders to-morrow so she did and the new order of things was established with very little disturbance of the old the narrow road which the boy every afternoon passed to and from dr wharton's house makes about halfway a sudden curve it is a wooded road not without little ups and downs and formidable ruts and blocks of worn old stone so large as to shock all the rules of modern road-making upon this curve so as nearly to front the boy's line of march is a very old fruit garden with a discolored ivy-grown wall on which are growing moss and house-leek and here and there tufts of grass and wallflower over the wall are seen ancient standard plum and cherry and pear trees and beyond them the upper windows and the steep gray roof and slender chimneys of a house as much out of date as the garden in the garden wall is a tall door with worn fluted pilasters corresponding in antiquity with the rest of the building and its belongings this stone framework has an iron door old-fashioned and fancifully wrought into arabesques of spikes leaves and stars facing the quiet road and within this a strong wooden door fruit trees are of course always interesting to boys but quite another interest mingled in the feeling with 
which little Willie viewed such glimpses of the old gray house and its background of dark and towering timber as his approach afforded, and he often wished as he passed that a hole in the wall might afford him a peep into the old garden and a glimpse of its owners. He sometimes heard their voices. A clear, childish laugh he had heard more than once from among the tall fruit trees and climbing roses that overtopped the wall, and a sweet female voice also faintly prattling with the child. One evening, as he returned from Dr. Wharton's with his books buckled in his strap swinging from his hand, having slackened his pace as usual, when he found himself under the garden wall, to his infinite delight, the inner wooden door which had always obstructed his curiosity was open the outer gate of iron walls and foliage was locked but through its bars he could see at last the garden its trees were old and overgrown it was wonderfully dark with roses and other flowers growing here and there and one straight walk leading up to the house and continuing the line of the narrow bridge which at the iron door crossed what seemed a sort of moat whose banks were overgrown with docks and nettles he could see part of the steps leading up to the door of the house and a portion of one of its windows the rest was concealed by the thick foliage and the effect of this little glimpse was increased by the deep shadow of the foreground it was not very far from sunset and the small birds were already singing among the boughs and the deep shadow the antique and neglected air and the silence of the place gave it in his romantic eyes a character of monastic mystery and enchantment as he gazed straight up the dark walk towards the house suddenly a man turned the corner of the yew hedge that met the bridge's parapet close to him and walking straight up to the door with a gruff look at the little boy shut and locked the wooden door in his face so all was gone for the present he knew there was no good in looking through the keyhole for envious fortune had hung a spray of sweetbriar so as effectually to intercept the view and nothing remained but the dingy chocolate-coloured planks before him and the foliage and roses trembling over the old wall many a time again he passed and repassed the door without a like good hap at length however one evening he found the envious wooden door once more open and the view again disclosed through the iron bars a very pretty little girl with golden hair was standing on tiptoe near and with all her soul was striving to reach an apple with a stick which she held in her tiny fingers seeing him she fixed her large eyes on him and said with an air of command come and climb up the tree and get me that apple his heart beat quick there was nothing he liked better 
but i can't get in he said blushing the door's locked oh i'll call mamma she'll let you in don't you know mamma no i never saw her answered the boy wait there and i'll fetch her and so she was gone the first flutter of his excitement was hardly over when he heard steps and voices near and the little girl returned holding the hand of a slight pale lady with a very pretty face dressed all in black she had the key in her hand and smiled gently on the little boy as she approached her face was kind and at once he trusted her oh he has left the inner door open again she said and with a little nod and smile of welcome she opened the door and the boy entered the garden both doors were now shut look up little boy said the lady in black with a very sweet voice she liked his face he was a very handsome little fellow and with an expression earnest shy and bright and the indescribable character of refinement too in his face she smiled more kindly still and placing just the tip of her finger under his chin she said you are a gentleman's son and you are nicely dressed what is your name my papa's name is mr henry he answered and where do you go to school i don't go to school i say lessons to mr wharton about half a mile from this it is great fun i suppose playing with the little boys cricket and all that i'm not allowed to play with the little boys who forbids you my friends won't allow me who are your friends i never saw them really and don't you live with your papa no i live with marjorie do you mean with your mamma oh no she died a long time ago and is your papa rich why aren't you with him he was rich granny says but he grew poor and where is he now i don't know i'm to go to school he said acquiring confidence the more he looked in that sweet face my friends will send me in three years granny says you're a very nice little boy and i'm sure a good little fellow we'll have tea in a few minutes you must stay and drink tea with us the little fellow held his straw hat in his hand and was looking up in the face of the lady whose slender fingers were laid almost caressingly on his rich brown hair as she looked down smiling with eyes in which the water stood perhaps these forlorn childhoods had a peculiar interest for her and it is very polite of you taking off your hat to a lady but put it on again for i am not a bit better than you and i'll go and tell them to get tea now dulcibella she called dulcibella this little friend is coming to drink tea with us and amy and he will play here till it comes and don't mind getting up sit quiet and rest yourself and she signed with her hand smiling to repress her attempt to rise well darling play in sight of me till your mamma comes back said the rheumatic old woman addressing the little girl and ye mustn't be pulling at that great rolling stone 
ye can't move it and ye may break your pretty back trying with these and similar injunctions the children were abandoned to their play he found this pretty young lady imperious but it was pleasant to be commanded and the little boy climbed trees to gather her favorite apples and climbed the garden wall to pluck a bit of wallflower and at last she said now we'll play ninepins there's the box set them up on the walk yes that's right you have played who taught you granny has granny ninepins yes ever so much bigger than these really so granny is rich then i think so as rich as mamma her garden isn't so big begin do you aha uh -huh. you've hit one and who plays best tom orange does does your mamma know tom orange i dare say she does dulcibella does mamma know tom orange no my dear no she doesn't echoed the little girl who is he what not know tom orange how could that be so he narrated on that brilliant theme tom orange must come to tea with mamma i'll tell her to ask him decided the young lady so these little wiseacres pursued their game and then had their tea and in about an hour the little boy found himself trudging home with a sudden misgiving for the first time as to the propriety of his having made these acquaintances without granny's leave the kind voice the beloved smile of granny received him before the cottage door welcome darlin and where was my darlin and what kept him from his old granny so they hugged and kissed and then he related all that had happened and asked was it any harm granny not a bit darlin that's a good lady and a grand lady and a fit companion for ye and see how she knew the gentle blood in your pretty face and ye may go as she has asked you to-morrow evening again and as often as she asks ye for it was only the little fellows that's going about without education or manners that your friends and who can blame them doesn't like ye to keep company with and who'd blame them seeing they're seldom out of mischief and that's the beginning o wickedness and you're goin but o oh, darlin not for three long years thank god to a grand school where there's none but the best so this chance acquaintance grew and the lady seemed to take every week a deeper interest in the fine little boy so sensitive generous and intelligent and he very often drank tea with his new friends End of chapter 58 Recording by John Brandon